Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay and Ellie. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And today we are beginning our first session of our Ikoria D&D campaign. So I don't think we have any news or anything to talk about. So let me just throw it to Chris to set the stage. Talk about the campaign a little. Yes. So welcome to the first episode of our little adventure on Ikoria. We are going to begin our adventure in Lava Brink, one of the three human sanctuaries left on Ikoria. And we are going to begin that adventure in what is called the Trade District. This is the district of Lava Brink, where tradesmen and craftsmen tend to gather, their workshops and factories are held there, and the market's sort of set up on the streets for people to buy the trade goods that they need. Um, So the three of you are all going to be in this Trade District as we begin our game. And I want to know why you're there and what your character looks like. Now, why you're there could be that you're just passing through. It could be that you're there to pick something up or whatever else you might be up to. So let's start with Jay. Why is your character in the trade district of Lava Brink? Well, you see, Captain Phonam had a uh, run-in with a a rather large beastie. And his airship was destroyed not far from from Lava Brink. So right now he's trying to find his way onto another ship somehow, either by odd jobs to to buy a new ship or in search of some merchant who needs a new captain, a hardy captain who survived several skyship crashes. That sounds like a perfectly good reason to be in the trade district, especially since you'd be able to find plenty of tradesmen and craftsmen who would love to have their products shipped uh, through the air. So you are walking through the trade district. Uh, Lorelai, why is your character in the trade district today? Uh, So Ruse is uh, here. She is towering over the populace at at 6'4", with uh, long braided uh, teal hair and piercing purple eyes. Although my character sheet says Porble, so I guess that's canon. why is she in the trade district? That's none of your business. It's none of nobody's business. That's valid. Uh, the trade district is probably the most traversed area of Lava Brink. Lots of people walking through the streets, chatting with each other, exchanging goods. Uh, so it would make sense that you would stand out. But also, no one's going to really ask why you're there, because everybody's there for a reason, right? Um, Brian, why is your character in the trade district today? My character, Radagast the Rover, would be there to sell his wares. He's a cartographer by trade, and he's uh, made his living exploring the wilds outside of the, the settled populations and trying to give people a, a little bit of um, information about the, the world outside for the, the people who are hardy enough to want to be outside the, the cities like Lava Brink or Draneth. He makes... He finds enjoyment in living in the wilds, but, you know, he also, he's not exactly the reclusive sage. He actually enjoys the company of people every once in a while. So he, he's taken up the the cartographer and kind of um, environmentalist. Like, he, he likes learning about the different monsters, so he might be willing to uh, be a guide slash... Um, what's the word? Uh, 
beastmaster of sorts to any kind of adventuring party who might want to hire him. But right now he's he's there solely to sell some maps that he's created. Yeah, you've probably got a um, a little side stall set up where you've got your maps on display. Uh, this area of Lava Brink, you know, there's plenty of traffic that comes through people outside of the city. Um, generally speaking, the populace of Lava Brink, and you would have all experienced this by now, are fairly actually welcoming folk. Uh, if you can make it to Lava Brink and you can survive that trip and you can survive the wilds around Lava Brink, generally speaking, they're okay with you being in the city. Um, Lava Brink actually is one of the uh, very rare cases where bonders are actually somewhat accepted in the city depending on the nature of the monster they've bonded with. Um, there are some movements within the city that you've probably heard about. You've probably seen people trying to talk about it to just have a flat acceptance of bonders in the city, including their monsters. But for now, most bonders are told to keep their monsters outside of the city, or if they have them in the city, they have to be kept on a pretty close, literal leash. Um, so you might actually see a couple of people walking through this city with smaller monsters on their shoulders or walking alongside them, uh, sort of on a chain or a leash of some sort. Um, but the three of you are in the trade district, it's a very busy day. It is probably a little bit afternoon. Um, high time right now. Tons of foot traffic. And you all start to feel something as the ground shakes a little bit. Most people don't even look up or respond at first. But when the shakes start growing in intensity, you do see some of these hardy travelers and salespeople stop in their tracks and kind of start looking around at each other. And that's when you hear the crash. This giant sound coming out from across the city. You're not that close to the edge of the city where the wall of lava, the lava veil, is set up. Uh, but you're close enough to hear the screams and shouts. And then as everyone stops and pauses and silence falls over the district, you hear the alarms sound. Guards start come pouring out of the alleyways, you see a couple of them come out of a shop, one of them still carrying a uh, little basket full of goods, and drop it to the ground as they pull out their weapons and start shouting and, and pointing for people to go into the safe places nearby. Uh, most of these shops are actually outfitted to be safe houses in the case of a monster attack. Uh, there are a few places on the street that are just safe houses. They're not even shops. They're just designed to hold people. At this point, uh, the three of you are actually somehow close together. This is just happenstance. There is no reasoning behind this, but the three of you tend to be standing kind of close to each other and several other people. Uh, one of the guards steps out and just sort of points into a shop nearby. It's a rather large shop. You didn't really look at it before, and he just starts yelling at you to get inside. Well, I gather my two remaining maps because today was a good business day and I'll scurry into the shop. I uh, I nod to the soldier and say, you know, you don't have to tell me twice. And I casually stroll into the shop. The soldier's looking up at Ruse at the moment, wondering if Ruse is going to actually uh, comply with an order to get inside of the shop. As he's doing that, you, uh, uh, the two of you, uh, Phonom and Radagast, see several other people pouring into the shop, probably about three or four other people forcing their way through the doors. I just kind of throw my arms up and say, look, I don't know what the big deal is. It's just a little rumbling. As soon as you say that, you hear an enormous 
shrieking noise reverberate through the town. And actually, uh, you notice that the shop you're standing outside of is a shop that has a bunch of glass orbs and chimes hanging outside of it. Uh, you might think that it belongs to a glassmaker of some kind. Uh, and as the shriek goes through, some of those glass orbs and chimes just shatter. And at that same time, the gas lights that are set up along the street go out. Now it's noon, so there's still light here, but you are in a covered area of the city. And because of that, it does, does get a little darker outside as the guard sort of just points at you and then points at the door and says, please, ma'am, for your safety. Just kind of flip a hand down. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, walk inside. Uh, as you walk inside, the guard takes another couple looks around. He reaches out and grabs the shoulders of two other guards who are standing nearby and pulls them with him into the shop. Uh, the lights are out in the shop, actually. Ruse, as you enter, uh, and as you were entering Phonom and Radagast, the lights cut out. And so you're all just standing in a entirely dark uh, shop room. The soldiers are in here with us, huh? That fills me with uh, a whole lot of confidence in my, our best and brightest. One of the the, the shoulders, uh, shoulders. One of the soldiers who was dragged in. Uh, she's a little bit younger. She's probably about in her early twenties. Looks over and goes, "Shut up! We don't know what kind of monster this is." Y yeah, and and if you stand here in the dark, you won't fur till it eats you. At that note, you uh, see a light flicker on and an older man who's standing uh, in the shop towards the back of the shop. Uh, he's wearing these spectacles. He's probably in his, you know, late 60s. Uh, he looks fairly well dressed and he has in one hand a uh, glass cane, like a walking cane. And in the other hand, he's literally holding up what appears to be a little magical light. And he just looks around and goes, Everyone, please, just remain calm. My shop is perfectly safe. I have, I have outfitted it with every safety precaution you could imagine. And as he says that, the shriek goes through the city one more time, and you start hearing the sound of the, the gears shifting overhead, and all of the mechanics of Lava Brink start kicking in. And one of the guards, the, the young woman who had spoken to you, goes, the Stone Singers. And at that moment you start to hear what sounds like stone grinding against stone. And if you've spent time in Lava Brink before, which I don't think any of you have spent a lot of time in there, um, but Radagast, you might remember this. Um, the the lava, the famous lava curtain is starting to close. Ah, uh, that'll teach the screeching beasties. Guess we're not leaving here anytime soon. The, the older man uh, holding the little magical light goes, Oh, yes, of course. And he reaches over with his gas, his gas, his glass cane and pokes a little stone in the wall next to where he was standing. And you start hearing more gear shifting as where the door was before starts coming down another stone door. And he goes, we must we must remain as safe as possible as the shop starts sealing itself off. The windows that were there start to disappear as stone just sort of slides in front of them. So Captain Phonom uh, just kind of tries to slide in between in behind the old man, you know, with a comment like, uh, oh, well, it'd be rude to disrespect my elder. Um, as you're sliding up, but trying to get behind him, uh, you sort of bump into him just a little bit. Uh, and he he's not very good on his feet. You know, he's holding a cane. Um, 
And as you do, he sort of trips just a little bit, and the magic in his hand goes out, and the lights. Oh, I want to! I want to roll to catch him. Uh, you can roll to try and catch <laughs> him fine. if you would like, but it is completely dark now. All right, what should I roll for that? Dexterity. Uh, gonna, yeah, roll me a um, dex. Uh, you can do flat dex, or if you are proficient in acrobatics, you can do acrobatics. I rolled a natural twenty. Oh, well, you reach out to grab him and uh, you catch him. Oh, and I say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, grandfather. Uh, he does not respond to you. And actually, um, he's just kind of hanging in your arms right now. What? You can't really see anything because it's pitch black. Uh, but there is just this grinding noise of the gears. Um, you don't know if he responds to you or says anything because at this point... The sound has just grown too much to where you can't really hear anything else. And as you are holding him, uh, this this person in your arms, do you like try and put him on the ground? Or are you just going to hold him in the darkness? Uh, if he's gone limp, I'm going to gently lower him to the ground. God, I wish someone would hold me in the darkness. <laughs> um, well, you do feel people moving around you. Uh, before the light That was not out, a character, s- by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before the light went out, you all could probably see that there were, um, I mean, it was pretty chaotic, but there were at least, you know, you three, uh, the, the chief guard, the guard captain, the two guards that he pulled in with him, uh, and then maybe like four or five other people, um, maybe six. It was kind of hard to tell, but the, it's completely pitch black and there's just this grinding noise going on. Uh, and then... After maybe about 30 seconds, uh, the grinding noise all stops and it kind of grows quiet. And you hear the guard captain clear his throat and he he sort of clings on his chest and goes, everyone remain calm. Uh, I think I have, you know, just one moment, please. Um, And you just hear a bunch of noise and clinging around. He uh, bumps into someone and apologizes under his breath and then... uh, in the, the far corner of the room, right, you know, by where the door was, uh, you start seeing a light flicker in, uh, and the guard captain is holding a gas lantern. And then the light sort of builds up as the 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 uh, the wick catches and starts burning. Uh, the room gets a little bit of light to it. Um, the other two guards are also fumbling with their devices. And uh, you know what, uh, Captain Phonam, roll me a perception check. All right. Well, my passive perception is 16. Okay. And my check is 17 plus perception, uh, 18 total. Yeah, I'm going to say you can very clearly tell that you were uh, standing over a dead body. Oh. Uh, I go uh, just very, very, like, plainly, oh, my God, he's dead. So I don't laugh. The laugh is not part <laughs> in character. Uh, the the kindly old man is dead at your feet. Uh, I I will do a little chuckle and say, "That's that's a shame." I uh I I I sit down and I knowing this probably isn't going to work because it's too late. I uh, I cast my spare the dying cantrip on him just in case. Oh, he is fully dead. And actually, as you lean down to look at him, uh, you notice that he has somehow during that split moment when you bumped into him before you caught him and held him in your arms uh there are just three large gashes down his chest 
and he is just the the front of him is entirely covered in blood. Hmm. The fuck? He's been killed. This is I've seen natural causes before in my life, and this isn't it. Uh the guard captain just looks over at you. There's sort of there was silence when the gear stopped, people started sort of shuffling around, but now everyone has stopped and they're all staring up at you standing over this dead body. And the guard captain just shouts, Nobody move. That man was fine just a moment ago. Someone in here what's happened? And he just starts looking around. Uh, and as he starts shouting, you see uh, one of the people in the room who uh, she's about five foot eight, five foot nine, um, long pink hair that's kept back in a ponytail with sort of an undercut. Um, and she just looks like all muscle wearing this like scale armor, tries to run to the door. Uh, and the guard captain just catches her and stops her and goes, nope, you're not going anywhere. No one's going anywhere until we find out what's happened in here. So they stopped her, though, on yes. running out. Well, the door is currently sealed as well, but she was going to make an attempt for it. Uh, he's just holding on to her shoulder, and he's looking at her, and he looks around the room, and he, he sort of motions for everyone to get out of his way uh, as he passes her off to uh, one of the two guards who was with him, and he walks up to you standing over the dead body. And he looks at you, and he looks down at the dead body, and goes, you're my first suspect. But everyone in here, every single one of you, you're all suspects. Why am I your first suspect? You're standing over the dead body. I, the only reason I haven't tackled you to the ground right now is I can't see any weapons on you. You're standing over the dead body right now, too. Oh, we have a <laughs> joker here, do we? And he's going to try and push you against the wall. Uh, I let him push me, yeah. You're, you're not going to resist at all. I, 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 I'm not going to roll... Um, uh, I'm not going to roll performance for it, but I am quite dramatic in my flair after getting pushed. He's going to uh, push you against the wall, and he's just going to start searching uh, along you to see if you're holding any weapons. He finds a mace, and what else do I got? A mace with no blood on it, by the way, uh, and a crossbow, un- unwound. Yeah, he's uh, he, he notices the mace and the crossbow, and he just sort of looks around and goes, nothing that you had could have done this to him. And he points over at the other two guards, and he says... Uh, uh, Samson, say, uh, Sabine, you, uh, you check everyone and see what they've got on them. I want to make sure that no one in here, uh, gets out of here without us at least checking them over. And he starts walking through as the, uh, other two guards start talking to the other people in the room. Um, while they're talking to the other people in the room, uh, what are y'all doing? Can I sidle up to the lady who tried to run away? Uh, you absolutely can. Uh, I, I ask her, uh, so, uh, come places like this often? <laughs> oh Lorelai, you're incorrigible. Uh I am going to do a more thorough examination of the body. Um see if I can tell anything else about what's going on there. Yeah, I, I would do that as well, but um while the guard was accosting um Oh gosh, what's your character's name again, Jay? Sorry. Phonom. Phonom. While the guard was Accosting Phonom after seeing the wounds, um, can I can I make a medicine check just like just to see if it, it looks like some kind of monster might have been like some kind of claw mark on this guy's chest? I will say that you approach up there and Phonom, you are um, you're standing by the body still. You're not particularly close to it, and if you try and get closer to the body, Phonom, 
uh, the chief guard will stop you. No, no, he no. Doesn't no. Want, want you getting close to it. Uh, he sees you approaching Radagast, though. And no, he looks no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not approaching. I'm asking if I would have had a viewpoint to see the body before, like, while he was yelling, while the guard was yelling at Phonon, because basically, my I, my character has a large afro, and my my uh, companion lives in my afro. So, <laughs> when, oh my Brian, God. that's I adorable. That. R- Radagast makes so much more sense now. Yeah. So, that is, that is an important detail that I would have appreciated having earlier. But I, I love I, it. I, I apologize. <laughs> but, um, so basically, what I'm going for here is if I want to, because you said that the city, and I feel like me being a, a, person who goes in and out of the wild and into civilization fairly frequently as a merchant of sorts. I feel like I would have been fairly aware of whether this city was um, like the, the whole bonder movement in the city. So me being a bonder, if the guard has any reason to suspect that some kind of creature would, was the cause of this old man's death. While the guard was yelling at um, Phonom, I would have been like trying to look uh, like I was talking to myself, but I would be under my breath trying to cast invisibility on my, my companion who lives in my afro so that if I am searched and they decide to go through my hair, that he can, be, he can fly out and still be in the room undetected. Um, I will say uh, a few things here. Um, One, uh, as a bonder in the city with your monster with you, um, you would either have had to sneak him into the city or her, the monster, into the city, or you would have had to uh, have it visible and on some kind of leash. So I'm assuming you snuck it into the city? Yes. Okay. So in that case, the guards would not know that you were a bonder. Um, They don't particularly go and like just accost random people and ask if they have monsters in their hair um the guards in the city are uh, a little bit of a background detail that you would probably know um lava brink doesn't have like a monarchy or like a ruler or like a general the guards and the stone singers just act as like sort of autonomous defense forces um they're all volunteer they all do this job because they want to protect the city not because they are forced to or anything of that sort um so most of them are really only interested in protecting the city and so in this case uh they do take bonders and their monsters very seriously but they're not going to just start randomly you know accosting people in case they suspect they're a bonder um okay Okay, but, mm -hmm. but but does this girl respond the girl i will get to that because i actually you think lorelei that i did not make a character with bright pink hair who looks like a warrior woman and think, hmm, Lorelai's definitely not going to want to interact with this character. Um, I feel so called out right now. <laughs> you um, I, just as a side so, note, I would like to look for a blood trail <laughs> while we're flirting so, and fighting our animals. You, I, this is not flirting. I'm just being friendly. Okay, so I will say, um, to continue on to this, what Radagast was doing, uh, you can uh, cast your invisibility spell. I will ask that you... Um, does invisibility require any somatic components? Yes, it has somatic. Yeah, so like I said, I was tr- like I was trying to nervously fidget with my hands and talk to myself, but also cast the spell in my breath. So, um, give me a sleight of hand check. Sure. Ooh, uh, 
18 plus 2, so 20. All right. Um, so you cast your spell. Uh, you don't notice. You, you did a really good job of hiding it. You've got a lot of experience in this. You don't know or think anyone saw you do it. Um, so your companion, whatever your companion's name is, is now invisible in your hair. Um, if you want to also make your medicine check to see if you can tell, or a nature check would also probably count here, if that was... If these wounds look like they were caused by any kind of monster. And not as good. Uh, that is a 16 nature. That's pretty good. Um, you can tell that whatever caused these these deep gashes in this person uh, were either caused by an actual monster. Uh, because this is not the kind of cuts you would see in you know any trained fighter would do. Or something that really wants to look like it was done by a monster. Okay. Because the... Um, the, the cuts you'll notice with your nature check um, are a little too evenly spaced. Like, they're they're exactly the same distance apart from each other. Gotcha. Um, okay. But they are... But you do know monsters could have done that. That's not entirely implausible, but they're really perfectly spaced out. And my companion's name is Fiore. Fiore. Great. Um, Ruse, you have sidled up to this character, uh, this person who is standing kind of by the door who tried to make a run for it um she is like i said earlier uh she's probably she's a little younger she's not that old uh, but she's been around for a little while uh she's wearing this like scale male armor that looks like it was made with actual like scales um and you can see she doesn't have any visible weapons on her but like her armor and her belt all have places where you would expect to see like a dagger or a short sword or something like that slid in mm -hmm. um, or maybe some like throwing stars or something. Um, you know, like she looks like she should have weapons on her, but you don't see any. Uh, and she looks over at you and she looks you up and down. And she goes, you're not from around here, are you? I'm Blightspine. I'm Ruse. You a hunter? Uh, I've, you know, you know I, I've hunted a thing before i i i'm a traveler i you know right. you wanna get out of here we're not gonna be able to get out of here right now that's captain rennard up there he's uh he's good at what he does and he's gonna rennard is really close with um with uh mr truman so i'm i'm sure he's a little upset at this but i know that he's gonna try and pin it on me all right well you seem like a sweetheart. I'm going to do my best to make sure that does not happen. Yeah, well, we'll see how it plays out. I can be very convincing. Phonam, give me a uh, investigation check to see if you see any sort of blood trail. And that was a seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, you don't think you see any, but uh, this shop... So to give you a little bit more idea, now that the uh, lanterns have been lit in this room, the gas lights that would normally be on in here are still out. Uh, whatever sort of defenses are set up in the city have probably just cut the gas lines for the moment, which is probably a good idea when there's just lava flowing over the edges of the city. Um, so uh, you can kind of see better. This is a pretty big shop, but it also appears to be uh, like a little bit of an area for shop and a lot of area for actual uh glass blowing production um but again there is uh now that you're in here you can actually count all the people in the room with the lights on uh there's you uh the two 
other people who are the other players in the game, Radagast and Ruse, uh, the guard captain and his two guards. So there's six people. Uh, there's the dead body in front of you. There is the pink haired woman. Uh, and then there are, and I mean, if you want to look closer at them, you can, but there are one, two, three, four other people in the room. So uh, probably about 11 living people in this area. And it's kind of tightly packed. Um, there's still room to move around, but it's not very spacious after you get all those people in here. Uh, so you don't see a blood trail, but maybe someone's standing on it. All right. Well, my my passive intelligence is 18. Can I like just keep looking around even though I didn't see anything? Maybe I, I wander up and down the uh, the aisles or. or... Um, so the, the shop is set up where there's a little area for goods be, to be on display um, there's like a counter spot where someone could potentially you know, do a transaction. Uh, and then there's just a lot of, you know, little setup stations for people who do glass blowing. Um, this is pretty clearly a shop slash, uh, tradesman area for glass blowers. Um, and you can pick that up with your passive investigation pretty easily tell that that's what this building is. It looks really nice, but it also appears that it was just not in operation today. Um, you would think that if it was an operation, there might be a lot more people in here because this is set up for a lot of people to be working and doing glass blowing. Um, but all of it's cold. There are no lit, uh, what is the name for that place? I know that there's a name for a certain part of the, um, the, the glass forge, whatever it's called. Um, but they're all, none of them are lit. It's all cold. The kilns. The kilns might be the right word for it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Sounds right. All right. I then am going to uh, walk up to the captain and say, um, Captain, what are you thinking here? Like, I have have urgent business elsewhere in the city. Uh, When do you think we'll be allowed to go? Uh, He's looking down at the, the dead body. He's looking around at everyone in the room, and he just looks at you and goes, Look, you're an outsider. You're not from around here. You're going to get out whenever I find out whoever killed my friend. I mean, whoever killed Mr. Truman. Inside check. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's not trying to deceive you as far as uh, you can tell, but roll me an insight check. I'm going to roll insight on that, too. All right. 18. 12. All right. I can say with your 18, Radagast, you can tell that uh, Captain Rennard here is getting a little emotional over what's happened here um it seems like this dead person uh, mr truman might have been a friend of his someone that he knew personally uh and might be why he was nearby when this all happened as well he he seems genuinely distraught at the death that's happened here um i i look up for a sec and then point to the dead body hey 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 uh dead body somebody's dead here where, hey. where, what, where have you been? That's what we've been talking about for the last five minutes. Look, I don't know who you are, but I've been busy. I don't have time to solve your little mystery here. Blightspine, the uh, pink-haired woman, uh, just starts kind of giggling under her breath at what's happening. Uh, but as you, as you point at the dead body and you announce it, uh, you hear coming from uh, the other side of the room... Uh, a sort of a, a younger man shout out and go, 
Yes, we know. It's Gordon Truman. Like, I care. I say, oh my god, that's Gordon Truman? And I put my, uh, I, 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 I kind of wave my hands around, and I'm going to cast Charm Person on the distraught captain. He has to make a Wisdom 11 saving throw. Oh, no. Or he's charmed by me. Uh, well, I will tell you, he not only passed your charm, he passed your charm so well, you you don't even know if it's possible for you to ever charm him. Uh, <laughs> I say that because uh, I just rolled a nat 20 on his uh, wisdom check. So Fair enough. <laughs> uh, he looks over at you and just sort of cocks his head and goes, I don't trust you, but I know you're not from around here and I don't think you would have done this. Someone else in here did this. Gordon Truman had a lot of enemies in this city, and someone in here, one of you, killed him. That old man had a lot of enemies? What kind of enemies? Uh, as you say that, you hear sort of a, a laugh, but a kind of a nervous laugh, come from an, uh, a much older woman who's standing in the room. She's actually being interviewed by one of the, the two guards, uh, the uh, guard Samson. Uh, and she just does a little nervous laugh. She goes, Gordon Truman was the leader of the Glassmakers Guild. He was one of the most influential people in the trade district. I cannot believe he's dead. And then she just keeps laughing uh, a little bit. And Samson kind of looks a little disturbed. Uh, and you hear as she's laughing at the situation, uh, a middle-aged man who is sort of just leaning against the counter chirps up and goes, Oh, come on, Gertie. The man's dead. I know you're so excited to finally have him out of your way. And she laughs just uproariously and she goes, Or, miss, like you're not happy that he's dead. Who's the leader of the Glassmakers Guild now, huh? Or, miss, hmm? The guard captain just sort of like raises his hand and goes, Enough of all this. Y'all need to stop. I'm going to find out which one of you killed him. And it could have been any of you. Don't try and look at me like that. And he gives a look over to a... Uh, a younger man who's standing uh, kind of close to you, Radagast. Um, and he just sort of stares him down. And he is like, I don't trust you. And the, the younger man just kind of looks around shifty-eyed. Uh, and then you hear uh, in this like silent moment, uh, a little kind of like kind of chirpy noise. Uh, as you all see from uh, inside of this uh, younger man's like, open sort of like tunic he's wearing like this really like rustic clothing uh sort of some movement and this little like blue head pops out kind of like looks like a little blue cat's head and it's got a little collar and a leash that's running out that you didn't notice before that's just coming out of the man's tunic and sort of looped around his waist and the man just kind of shrugs and goes i'm telling you i had nothing to do with this and the guard captain goes mm -hmm. of course you didn't eckard he just sort of points him down. He goes, I want to see your monster and you privately. And Ecker goes, oh, no, you will not get me in a room alone. I've had enough of you and your guards. And at that moment, the, the blight spine just sort of chirps up and goes, come on, everybody. Everyone wanted to kill Gordon Truman. Let's just be honest. Which one of us finally did it? I mean, I, I didn't want to kill Gordon Truman. Me either. So that leaves all the rest of you. So which one of you did do it? They all start looking around at each other, 
and there's a moment of quiet and then Gertie, the uh, the older woman who was over talking to a guard, Sabine, just starts laughing again. She goes, how on earth did we all end up here? I guess there's no better time to kill someone than during a monster attack. The ground shakes a little bit and she just starts laughing again. I, I, I just turn to this girl. There are monsters here? Whitespine looks over, looks at you again. And she kind of looks you up now. She goes, I guess uh, you're one of those, you know, uh, what do they call them? She starts sort of just snapping her fingers. She goes, uh, I think in Skysail they just call you bimbos. And then she sort of giggles under her breath. She goes, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. These guards are going to try and pin it on me. And then eventually I'll have to just run away again. At that point, uh, you see uh, uh, Captain Renard sort of walk over to um, Captain uh, the guard Samson, who was talking to the older woman. He goes and he points at the dead body and goes, you stay over there. I'm going to go start talking to some of these people. And he walks straight for Eckerd. And Eckerd looks over at uh, you, Radagast, and he goes, come on, you're not going to let me in, let him take me into a room alone, are you? I have a question. Yes. Do I have to do a dexterity check to head pat whatever her name is, Blightspine? Uh, Blightspine? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say that uh, you do not, because she's not going to resist. Okay, I'll give her a head pat. Uh, she smiles and laughs. Yeah, Eckerd, uh, the man who apparently has a monster hiding in his shirt, uh, has looked over at Eurydigas and said, Are you going to let him take me into a room alone to question me? We, uh, we got to stick together. Stick together? What are you talking about? And he kind of looks looks around and goes, I saw your spell. Just for the heads up, he rolled a nat 20 on his perception to see if he saw you casting a spell with your sleight of hand. You rolled a 20. Is he a caster? Does he know what spell I cast? Uh, he is a spellcaster as well. He is not the same kind of spellcaster as you, but he knows you cast a spell. But he doesn't know what spell I cast. He, he does not know exactly, but he knows you cast a spell. And so he's a little bit, you know, secretly casting a spell. Because the target for the spell wasn't immediately visible. Oh, he doesn't know what you did. He just knows that you cast a spell. He's just, he's, he's not making any assumptions here. But he, uh, he did notice what you did, and he's, he's trying to get you on his side. I mean... You can roll a deception if you would like, and I will roll that against his um, insight. Uh, let's see. Ugh. Well, that didn't go well at all. So I have no. I'll be like, uh, what, "What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about." But uh, I guess if you want an impartial super, uh, uh, witness, I guess I'll come along. If you don't trust the guards, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm not from around here, so I don't know if why they might not trust you but i guess it doesn't hurt to uh and I, i'm basically just stumbling over awkwardly just trying to make sure that there's no reason for the guard to uh to to look to look at me or look closer any closer than they already have so at this point the um the guard is actually sort of uh cut off to the side uh captain Renard has looked over and he's um opening he's like checking out the side room that appears to probably be kind of like an office of some kind he's like open the door and is peering inside to look to see if there's anything hiding in there uh and uh eckard looks at you and he just goes most of the guards here are pretty cool with, with people like me um 
most of the time they're fine with bonders. You know, I follow the rules. I register my animal, uh, my companion, my friend here. Um, I, I've done everything I can, you know, but some of them still aren't really cool with people like me. And so it's just, I don't want him to try and pin it on, on my friend. That, that's, that, that seems reasonable. I guess I can, I can support that. Um, so I guess just time out real quick. Does his little monster look like it has claws that could have done this? Uh, you've only seen its head pop out of the shirt so far. Um, it looks to be, uh, as a sky sail captain, you've probably seen a good bit of, um, the world. And if you want to give me a, a, a nature check, I'll tell you more about what you can tell just based off of what you've seen. That is a 21. So you can tell just by looking at the little bit of this companion you've seen. It's not a very big monster. Uh, it's probably on the smaller side. Um, it appears to be maybe cat clade, uh, maybe elemental clade, maybe both. Um, because it has sort of the cat-like face, uh, probably no bigger than like a standard house cat. Uh, but it is covered in sort of these amphibious scales, and it just kind of looks wet. Uh, but you don't really see anything else about it, but you've seen that much. Well, uh, all right. I'm just going to say, why are you trying to interrogate him? Like, he's, his creature is still on a leash. It's too small to have killed this guy. Uh, as you say that, a, um, a much older man who was keeping very quietly to himself, hadn't even talked to anyone yet, sort of just calls out from from over this room and he goes, those bonders are all a bunch of freaks. He appears to be uh, older, closely cropped hair. Uh, he looks almost like a guard in the sense that he's wearing like a breastplate like the guards are, but he's not got any sort of like the lava brink insignia on it. Uh, it looks kind of older. Um, and he's just sitting in a chair and he just shouts that out and he points over and goes, that monster did it. And you all know it. I don't know why we're pretending to just care so much about these bonders and their monsters. I raise my hand. Uh, actually, I know very little of this situation, so I don't know who did it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know how much you know about this city, but ever since we started letting in those monsters and pretending like that was okay, we've just had more attacks. Every single week, I swear, we've got to call in that curtain. Uh, at that point, uh, the guard, Sabine, the, the younger uh, woman guard, goes, Oh, come on, Calamus, will you shut up? This isn't yeah, a Calamus, your... what the hell? Yeah, Calamus. Look at that dead body. You know a monster did that. No human would have done that. Would have done something so depraved as killing Gordon Truman. I mean, sure, he was on their side. But still, I'm sure he... that little monster did it when none of us were looking. Those things can be freakishly fast. I mean, I've been here for five minutes, and I've already learned that half the people in this room would be fine with killing Gordon Truman. So, no, we don't know that. Yeah, what he said. I, I, I lean over to Weisspine and very quietly whisper in her ear. Okay, but, like, you didn't kill him, right? Weisspine just quietly looks at you and goes, No, I didn't kill him. Why would I kill Gordon Truman? The guards would have me caught faster than you could think. I don't know. I could think pretty fast. Uh, she's sort of laughing. Goes, uh, I don't know if you've proven that to me so much yet. <laughs> Give her another head pat. So I, I, I say to the old man, the old man who just shouted crankily, 
Uh, I say, what do you mean he was an ally to those bonders? Gordon Truman's been trying to let the bonders in the city for over a decade now. It's because of him that people like that freak over there are even let in here. Did did Gordon? Was he a bonder? <laughs> no. I don't know why he was so interested in it. I swear, I think he was just trying to make himself look better. He was always trying to consolidate power among the guilds. And at that, you uh, you hear uh, Gertie just start laughing again. She goes, oh, Gordon always had this idea that he was the one in charge of all the crafts guilds. That he was somehow uniting all of us. Pfft, what a joke. That man only wanted power for the sake of power. Now, someone like myself, as the mistress of the Chainlink Guild... She sort of pauses for effect and looks around, and no one seems that impressed. Uh, she goes, I knew that the guilds had to work together, and we couldn't let petty squabbles over things like bonders try and influence the, the city. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm sure that I need to go and let the other guild masters become aware of the fact that Mr. Truman is now dead. And who is going to lead the Glassmakers Guild. And she gives a pointed glance and sort of narrows her eyes over at uh, the middle-aged man named Ormus, who she had shouted at earlier. Uh, and Ormus just sort of sighs and rolls his eyes and goes, I wouldn't have killed Gordon Truman, because everyone would have known that I would have done it. I mean, he has a point. <laughs> Everyone's already blaming you, dude. Like, it'd be a really bad decision to kill him. Gordon was a... Was, Gordon's just... He's always been a problem for the Glassmakers Guild. I don't like the way he organizes things. I don't like the work he does. The man was a hack. I wouldn't kill him because I wanted to kill him. Which means that of course everyone would think I killed him. I say, of course the man was a hack. You've seen the marks in his chest. Hacked to death. (laughs) (laughs) At that one I do actually laugh in character. Blightspine just starts giggling. Uh, at that moment, uh, the Captain Rannard, uh comes out of the office and goes, You're all a bunch of terrible, awful, no-good people. And he points over at Eckert and he goes, Are you going to come talk to me? I want to see that monster and I want to see its claws. Well, I- I'll I'll put my hand on Eckert's shoulder. I- I'll I'll come with you, I guess. Uh, at that, Eckert starts walking forward and he goes, You know what? We don't have to do this in a private room. If you want to see my monster, you can see my monster, he says, you know, a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry, bit I, can't, I, th- can't, I can't hear you say that without thinking it's a terrible <laughs> porno. Uh, <laughs> continue. He, he's about to whip out his monster, huh? He, um, he lets out a little bit of a whistle, and you see the creature sort of climb out of his, of his tunic. And it has got a very long, thin body. Uh, it seems to be covered in scales. It's very shiny, this monster. Uh, and it has, it does look to appear to have claws on its hands and feet. It also has these long fins running down the side. Uh, and it sort of just walks along and sort of wraps itself around uh, Eckerd's uh, shoulders and down his arm a little bit with its long tail. Uh, and Eckerd goes, and by the way, his name is, uh, his, forgot his name for a second. His name is Vaporwing, and you'll call him Vaporwing. Captain Renner just sort of glares at him and goes, 
that monster kill Mr. Truman? And Ecker goes, no, of course not. And the monster sort of like makes a little couple of chirping noises. Uh, and then Captain Renner just points at the claws and goes, then what's on its claws? And I think um, that might be a good stopping point for today. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, dear. I think this investigation is going well. I think it's going <laughs> smashingly, given how little we care about the actual <laughs> investigation right now. Like, I just want to get out of here. I don't want my name on any official reports. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's pretty much all of our official motivations is like, we would really are, like our names not to be on a report. Uh, I think it's appropriate that uh, the three of you are the people who have the least motivation to do it, which is a good reason why you probably won't be looked at that much. But the other people in this room look like they all have a good reason to have killed Gordon Truman. So is this going to be a closed room mystery for most of this? You know, we'll see how things shape up in the next session. Fair enough. The, um, I did have one question. I kind of forgot. What, what was the mechanism he was near? Like, I had thought you were saying he had, like, a, a, a door to the basement that had opened... No, there was a, um, he just had a stone button in the wall near where he was standing, and he pressed it with his cane, uh, and it caused the defense systems of the shop to kick in. Oh, so everything shut down. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so the, in my version of Lava Brink, all of the individuals, like, shops and homes, uh, can also close themselves off, much like the giant lava curtain will close off the whole city, because you never know when something smaller is going to get through first. And so barricading yourself inside is the best way to stop it from getting inside. Gotcha. Yes. Um, also, for those of you in the who might know this, um, which is probably only really Radagast, maybe Phonam. I don't think Ruse would pay enough attention to this. It's, um, it's, phon- it's Phonam. Phonam. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how many, uh, how much y'all would know about this, but... It did come up a little bit. Um, there are guilds that operate all the trades. Uh, there are seven of them that you're aware of. Uh, Glassmakers, Chainlink, the two that you've become familiar with. There's also Armorsmiths, uh, Baker's Guild, the Weaponsmith Guild, the Stonemasons, uh, and the Potter's Guild. And pretty much every uh, trade in the city can be filed underneath one of those. Um, as a cartographer, you probably interact a lot with, uh, funny enough, uh, the Stonemasons. Uh, the stonemasons would be the ones in charge of uh, any sort of architectural uh, trades and crafts that are done in the city. And sort of the link between the blueprint writing and the cartography, you'd probably have interacted with them a little bit, Radagast. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, that is that is our first adventure. I, our first foray into what is uh, turning out to be a murder mystery of poor Gordon Truman, the former leader of the Glassmakers Guild. Oh, I don't think he'd be poor then. He sounds kind of wealthy. do we want to do final thoughts uh sure my final thought is please keep yourself safe and follow the instructions of public health officials and not necessarily any other kind of official in your life right now and i'm not going to get into any more than that uh but he means the president of the united states (laughs) listen to public health officials Please, for love of God. That's my final thought, Lorelai. My final thought is I picked up the first two Baldur's Gates games because uh, they're on Switch. 
And so I started playing the first one, and lordy, is it dated. <laughs> uh, I am not sure how I feel about it yet. I'm not, I have not played a whole lot, but uh, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to play two and then see what happens with three, because I feel like feel like not being on the second edition AD&D rules will probably be good for a new Baldur's Gate game. <laughs> that is very true. It's really tricky because like, you know, you'll be in a battle and, you know, you'll make a, you'll swing your weapon and the game will do dice rolls for you, but that's all invisible to you. So you'll do this, you know, swing your weapon animation and miss and you won't know why. And it's kind of frustrating. So you're just like sitting here watching your little sprites do invisible things with RNG, and that's kind of irritating. So uh, it's it's been an interesting experience so far. The writing is really late '90s. Uh, one of the voice actors, though, is uh, the person who voiced uh, Hondo Wanaka in Clone Wars and Rebels, and the character he voices. In this game, he's he's using almost the exact same voice for, as Hondo, and it's got me very excited. <laughs> I think Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be using the 5th edition rules. Uh, well, I would hope so, because we're currently in the 5th edition of D&D. And I also think that it will be showing dice rolls, but I'm not certain. It's been a while since I watched all those videos. That's what it. the gameplay videos showed. I think anything that is, like, I could handle anything that is, like, 3.0 or beyond. Like, Knights of the Old Republic is 3.0-ish rules, because I think they had the Star Wars license then. Um, yeah. But the AD&D, it kills me every time I play that game. Well, it's killed a couple of my party members so far. <laughs> Brian, what about your, what about you? Final thoughts? What you got? My final thought is Final Fantasy VII Remake was great. The ending gave me a lot of questions, but uh, other than that, it was it was a really fun game. I thought it did the original justice outside of, you know, only being maybe a quarter of the game, but we'll see. I played the first two-thirds of the original Final Fantasy VII, and I have watched Advent Children and I'm not that into turn-based RPGs. It's it's like an action RPG now, right? Yes. It, like, you can still play turn-based if, pretty much if you wanted to, but it's, I mean, it's not truly pure turn-based, but the, the, the action RPG is really well executed, and it's still, even though it's not turn-based, it still feels very much like the old system. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about giving it a shot. I've downloaded the demo. I'm going to give it a try once I finish the Control uh, DLC. Chris, final thoughts? Uh, my final thought is I have so many post-it notes and little sheets for all of these NPCs scattered around my computer right now. Um, I don't know why I decided that we were going to do a murder mystery with a bunch of people uh, rather than just throwing giant monsters at you um, for an Ikoria game. But I was like, I want to create uh, six distinct individuals with all of their own hidden secrets. And so here I am. Covered in sticky notes. I, I I appreciate that this is a little kind of off the path for what someone might expect from an Accordia campaign. It's uh it's neat, and I like it. 
I'm just ha- I'm just happy I don't have to prepare anything <laughs> for a podcast. <laughs> These are a nice break. And you know, uh, all you listeners out there, if if you like this too, and and you like us, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheFourthOsCast and help support the show today. All your donations help us keep the show running week after week. We really like producing the show, so we uh, super duper appreciate everyone that helps us continue doing so. Everyone who does support us gets access to our Discord community, where Vorthoses from around the world are surviving in this time of crisis together. And it's really nice to have online communities uh, like ours as as a place to still be able to connect with folks and kind of lean on each other a little bit to keep us uh, sane and uh, happier than we otherwise would be. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.